Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 125. Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to mention our Facebook group that we have with so many different Disney creators and also just listeners of the show. So it's really wonderful to be in an environment where you can share your experiences and share your thoughts and hear the experiences and expertise from other people as well. So it's all about knowledge sharing and we would love to have you come over and share your experiences as well. So you can find that at Detour to Neverland podcast community on Facebook and then we'll also put the link to that in our show notes. Our guest today is Casey Starnes, who is the owner of DisneylandDaily.com. I'm sure if any of you have ever made the trek out to Anaheim, you have probably stumbled across some of Casey's work. She puts together really wonderful ultimate guides to how to get the most out of your Disneyland vacation. And then now she's working on Walt Disney World content as well. We have been such a big fan of Casey's for a long time, and so we are thrilled to have her on the show today. So I will go ahead and turn it over to her in case he will share her intro and also a random fact that we may not know about her from social media. Okay. Hi, guys. I'm Casey Starnes, and I run Disneyland Daily. Um, let's see. One fact that you might not know. Um, I mention this every now and then, but not a ton of people know that um, about nine years ago, my family and I left the Midwest for San Diego and came out here without jobs or job prospects and three children just to start a new life in Southern California. So most people thought we were crazy and we did too, actually, but it all worked out and now we live in San Diego. It's a lovely life. Mm. So I'm so curious, did, not to get into too many of the personal details, but did Disneyland play a, any role in choosing Southern California? Um, it was certainly a perk. We had vacationed out here several times since we got married in 2000. Um, we were here 2003, six, not eight, nine, and 10, I think. And um, we usually vacation in San Diego and would go at least one day to Disneyland when we were here. So it wasn't like a deal breaker, but it certainly added to all of the things we love about San Diego and just about this area in general. Hmm. I can say when we were in San Diego just for a weekend before we went to Anaheim last fall, I think every day we said, I wouldn't mind living here. The weather is just perfect. <laughs> perfect. All the time. It, it is. That's that's how it happened with us. I mean, I'm, right now, as I mentioned to you guys earlier off the air, I'm sitting at my gazebo just recording a podcast. This is usually where I work, too, with my laptop. And um, it, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful here year round. So it's, it's a, it's a nice place to live. We're close to so many things. We can snow ski, we can go to the beach, we can go to Disneyland, LA, there's good museums. I mean, there's, there's everything that we want all right here. And we couldn't find a place that we liked more. So we made it home. Uh, I know we're jealous. I bet the Florida people have got (laughs) to be jealous too, because the thought of sitting outside right now is probably miserable. (laughs) Well, you know, there's a little balance that you have to to work in too. We have a smaller house here than we've ever had anywhere else. And, um, with that, you know, you, you learn to live outside. We have a huge backyard and we have an outdoor living space. We have an outdoor kitchen. Um, 
you know, we, we eat outside. We, if we eat as a family, we're always outside, you know, our, our house itself is tiny. So you make your outside spaces more of your living spaces because houses are so expensive here. You kind of have to work out that balance, but Mm -hmm. it's all worth it. I'd recommend it if you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So to kind of set the foundation for everything, we'll start off with what is your Disney story? So how did you fall in love with it? And then how has it kind of evolved over time? Um, Gosh, that's a long story. Um, I started coming to Disneyland as a little kid. I only came a few times. Um, My grandmother lived in Irvine. I was in Texas. I grew up in Texas. So I came out a few times um, around the age of five-ish. And I don't remember a ton from those trips, of course, but I I do remember it being magical. Um, And then we returned in 2003, my husband and me, with our now 18-year-old, who was two at the time. And I fell in love with it all over again. Um, And then, gosh, just repeated, like I said earlier, we came out to San Diego several times and kept visiting Disneyland. And and just, I knew I loved it. Um, And that kind of worked into me starting this blog, um, about five years ago, it'll be five. Well, it was just five in March and it, um, you know, now became my full-time job. So I've always loved Disney. I love the parks more than I love anything. So I, you know, I enjoy the movies. I know I love the whole company. I respect the company immensely, but the parks themselves are what I love more than anything. I think you're reading ahead on my notes because that was my next question (laughs) about if you're a parks forward person or a movies forward person. So looking five years ago at the origin of Disneyland Daily, can you take us to that moment where you decided that you were going to venture out there and and create this space, kind of what conversations took place to get it off the ground and, and just sort of understanding where it came from? Absolutely. Um, Excuse me. About five years ago, um, I started the blog. I actually started with a partner and was a franchise of another blog. Um, And so I was asked to take what I knew about Disneyland and my passion for the parks and put together a blog. Um, It was terrifying for me, as I think it is for most people who venture out with something like this. very intimidating, but I had a little bit of knowledge about blogging. I had been blogging with, um, my family in mind for about the eight years prior. Um, and it was really just a mommy blog. We had left Texas and we started moving around the country and we had two children at the time when we left Texas headed to Colorado and we knew we were going to have more children. And I knew I wanted to keep people in touch with everything. And this was before Facebook, um, or at least before I was on Facebook or Instagram or anything else. So a blog seemed like a natural way to keep everyone updated. And so I have some experience with just blogging in general and connecting with people. Um, I had no experience with monetizing my blog. I had no idea how that even worked. And I didn't have any interest in it at that time. It was really just me keeping people in we're doing. Um, so it made sense that I go in this direction and try it out, but I really had no idea that it would lead to what it is today. It, it's been a wild ride and it's been overwhelming and wonderful. And I still am so grateful that it's turned out to be um, as successful as it has. And it, it's allowed me to do this job. Mm-hmm. So something that that kind of made me think about Um, And we actually have some questions that come from our mutual friend, Marnie. 
Um, Yay, Marnie! Yes, who is now a Disney state of mind. And something that she and we were kind of wondering about is how you were able to make that transition from, you know, working with another blog to really branching out and rebranding and completely doing your own thing. It, yeah, it has been... Um it's been a, a challenge, but it's gone much more smoothly than I thought it would be, uh, than I thought it would go. So two years ago in March, um, would have been my three, around my three year anniversary. And that's when I split from my previous partner and went out on my own. Um, <clears throat> so basically I kept all of my content. My blog is exactly what it was before, but I rebranded it and I've added things to it since then. And I've changed some things here and there, but for the most part, I have kept the same focus in mind and I have kept, um, Basically, what I did before is what I do now with just a few tweaks. Um, the tough part was that because I rebranded, I lost every bit of my SEO. And so I've had to work very hard over the past two years to rebuild that. Um, because, you know, for three years, I was my old blog. And now at two years past that, or for the past two years, I've been DisneylandDaily.com. And no one knew who that was. No one knew what I was doing. So... Um, that's a scary challenge to rebrand and to go, you know, go forward and just have to basically start over, um, with SEO, which is search uh, engine optimization. If other people don't know what that is. Um, so that has been tough, but I have worked diligently to make that happen. And, and it's, it's really worked out for the best long term. but that was a scary move, um, for me for sure. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, you know, it was, it was simpler than what people might think. You know, I got a new logo. I changed, I'd come up, came up with my name, got a new logo, um, hired someone to help me with the transition because as you two know, I'm terrible with the background stuff <laughs> when it comes to technology. Um, so I hired some help with that and just really kept going. And I, I, I guess I took a few weeks off to get all of this in place, but for the most part, I just moved forward and kept blogging. And yeah. I think I've worked harder in these past two years than I did the first three, because as I said, I really had to reprove myself almost and show people that I have good content. I have good information for you to use in the parks. But when all of that disappears from Google, where, you know, which is where people go first to look for things, that was intimidating to rebuild. So I have worked hard to push that back up to the top of this, the search search rankings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and I think the important thing for our listeners to really take out of that story is that you're not locked into anything. So no, I know for Marnie, you know, talking through her transition from Main Street Tourist over to a Disney state of mind, it's, you know, a change in name and also a change in website. But, you know, it, it, I remember her words saying that she just felt better with it. So if you want to make changes like that, 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 you know, the possibilities are endless, that you're not locked into anything long term, that if you need to make a change, then you need to make a change. It's it's absolutely true. If if you're not um, happy with with your current circumstances, no matter what they are, whether it's a, a blog relationship or the title or anything that you think that you're tied to make a change and, and move with it and work hard to make that change work for you. Um, there's nothing 
that you can't push through and and make better if you're not happy where you were. And and truly, I didn't know how quickly my my blog would grow once I did go out on my own. And it has grown immensely in the last two years at a much, much higher rate than I ever did during my first three years. And I wasn't expecting that at all. So um, if, if you look at that just alone, that should give you encouragement about not, not to be scared to take that, that step that, that might seem unfamiliar or intimidating, that it can work out in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure there is some <laughs> subconscious you know, switch that goes off that once you make those changes and you feel more free that your content gets better and you pursue things harder and, you know, you put yourself out there more. I'm sure there are so many, you know, intangible benefits to doing something like that. Yeah, there, there are, they're not always, um, something you're totally aware of, as you said, but yeah, it, it will work out in the end if you're determined to make it work. Um, my numbers have grown in big ways again since I went out on my own. Um, for a reference, because uh, most people don't really understand page views or or other parts of the business, but if you just looked at um, my presence on Facebook, for example, when I um, left my previous blog and started out on my own, I was at nineteen thousand followers or likes uh, likes on um, Facebook, and so that was accumulated, you know, over three years, and now. I think I'm around 87,000 likes and uh, maybe 91,000 followers. And so that just happened in the two years, you know, that I've been out on my own over two years now since March. But if you look at those numbers, you know, you would, you would think they would be going in a different direction. You'd think that the growth wouldn't be as possible with, um, with a big change like that, but it's actually turned out to be such a huge blessing to me and my numbers have grown way higher than I think they would have had I stayed where I was. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, completely. Makes perfect sense. I do want to point out, I had to sneak this into the episode at one point. You mentioned your presence on Facebook. (laughs) I, if you ever see a top fan commenting on your post, I'm a two-time top fan of Disneyland Daily. So (laughs) not to, uh, you know, put myself above anybody else, but I'm a true fan over here. Well, I appreciate that very much. I really, I sincerely do. I sincerely do. Thank you. <laughs> so something we have chatted about a little bit more recently, and a lot of off-air conversations lead this way as well, of people kind of struggling with that hobbyist versus business mindset when they're working on their projects. So maybe you just start on Instagram and then you decide, hey, I want to get a domain name and start a website and kind of making that switch from hobby to business and taking something more seriously, kind of when you have been working on this, has it always been the intention of it being a business or do you have any thoughts on kind of how to make that switch and and balance that in your brain? I started with the intention of the business. Um, And so that was my focus from the very beginning. Um, As I said before, I was, you know, blogging for eight years before just as a mommy blog and, and that was for fun and I love the connection. And when I was doing it, I had really young children. And so that was a, a nice support system. Um, and, and so there, you know, there are many reasons to blog and, and if those are the only things you want to get out of it, which is to, you know, make connections and have support and just talk about something you love. That's fantastic. Stick with that, whether it's an Instagram page or a blog or Facebook 
or whatever platform you prefer, that's great. It really will take the pressure off of you. It'll make the entire project easier and um, it'll be less stressful. If you do want to make it a business and you intend to make money with it, it will become a much, much bigger part of your life um, if you truly want to succeed. I've read somewhere that most blogs fail after a year um, or don't make it past a year because you don't really make any money your first year. I didn't. I mean, I worked constantly my first year and I think I made around $20 a month, if that, if that. So it's hard to make such little money and work crazy hours trying to build trust in people, trying to connect with people and trying to figure out exactly what direction you want to go in. Because you really, you know, we all, uh, our time is valuable, all of us. And if you're not getting paid for something you're working so hard at, it can be certainly something that you just want to wash your hands of and say, you know what, I tried and this didn't work. For me, it took two-ish years before I felt validated with my time. And even then, looking at the income I had then seems very little compared to what I make now. And so I look back and think, gosh, that wasn't even worth my time. You know, and, and it, uh, it's all in perspective. You know, you, you start making money and you think, okay, this is going to work out. I'm going to keep moving. And you, you continue to go down that path, hoping that you do feel validated with your time. Um, because it has to make sense. You can't do this forever and not have some sort of payback with it. Um, but it takes a while, you know, and you've got to find your voice. You have to find your, your audience. You have to find exactly what you want to do. Um, and that looks different for, for a lot of people. Some people really are heavy in Instagram and they want to do the influencer thing and they want to make that money that way. I'm not that person. I'm more so a blogger and most of my money comes from my website. So, um, you mentioned earlier, someone who started an Instagram page, for example, and wanted to turn in into a blog, I actually did just the opposite. And so everything of, um, with, with Disneyland daily starts and lives on my blog, on my website, and then Instagram and Facebook are merely platforms for sharing that information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's an excellent way of looking at it, of almost having your own personal funnels set up that, you know, here's the call to action. I want to get you to DisneylandDaily.com. Like that's where the value is. And you look at other things as tools to make that work. Because I think that gets convoluted in a lot of people's projects. And something that I love so much, especially about your Facebook, is that I think sometimes, and Catherine and I are guilty of this, we have a tendency to put a barrier between our social media and our true content, which for us is podcast episodes of almost hinting at it, but saying, hey, the real value is whenever you listen to an episode. I think from my perspective, you do that, but you do share these, you know, huge Facebook posts that is chock yeah. full of amazing information and pictures and captions and, you know, responding to comments and things like that. So how do you find that balance between getting people to the website, but also sharing the essential details on social media. That is a delicate balance. Um, and, and you're right. I write marathon Facebook posts and I put most of my effort into Facebook because it's my preferred platform. Um, Instagram, I am enjoying and I'm growing there and really starting to get the hang of it. But 
I have never been able to communicate with people and respond to people on Instagram as well as I can on Facebook. Because like you said, I respond and I link and I give pictures and maps and um, it's, you know, my Facebook page has become a community, really. It's, it's a lot of people who have started to get to know each other. And um, I would say it almost mimics like a Facebook group, you know, like a private group, because a lot of those people work together um, within the comments as well. <clears throat> but um, to your question, it is tough because you do want to provide good information, but you want to ultimately push readers to your website to get the full story. So I'm constantly battling with, you don't want to give it all away on a Facebook post or an Instagram post because you do want to push people to your website, but you also want to be helpful and you don't want to, or I don't, I, sometimes I feel like, um, I'm manipulating people. If I give people just a bit of information and then say, go check it out. It, you know what I mean? It, it mm -hmm. just feels, um, it feels not inappropriate at times, but it just feels wrong. Like I just truly want to help people. And so I try to give them as much information as I can on my initial post on Facebook, for example, but then I encourage them to go check out this post or check out this post for everything that I can teach you. Cause there simply isn't enough time to do it all in Facebook. Although it may look like it because my Facebook posts are typically quite <laughs> long. Um, there's always so much more on my website. Um, and there's all, there's always, um, there's always, uh, information on my website that applies to every day in the parks. Um, for example, if you think about some of my strategy posts that I post on Facebook, where I detail exactly how my day went and how I used this strategy at Disneyland and accomplished all of these things. And here's the time frame of how, what everything looked like. A lot of people will take those posts and save those or screenshot, let's say, you know, my, my timeline of how everything went. And that's wonderful as a kickoff to your own day. But let's say you see what I did in July in the parks. Well, that's not going to be the same as what I'm going to do in October because the information that I provide on my website will change as seasons go on. So I test my strategies each once a month, each month, um, and make changes based on crowds or seasons, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for example, the Haunted Mansion will move up in my list of things to do as we get closer to that season when it becomes much more popular. And I want you to grab that fast pass before um, you grab it. And then you're going to have a 90 minute wait until you can grab another. I want you to grab it early when you're only going to have a 30 minute wait until you can grab another. So that will move up with my list. So back to the Facebook post, if you just take the Facebook post that I gave you in July for how things went, it's not going to be the same information that what you need for what you need to apply it in October. Um, so everything on my website is year round and it's exactly what you need. Whereas Facebook, the Facebook post I was referencing is really just a snapshot at what that day looks like. Mm, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough because a lot of people just want to say that and they don't want to go and bookmark, you know, the actual strategy post, and it, and it also is important to do to to use my list from my actual blog post because a lot of the times I'll go through the park and there are things that are under refurbishment or there are things that were were missed for one reason or another and sometimes I'll have people write in and say well how come you didn't ride this on this day I saved that plan 
And it's because that ride was under refurbishment. So if you go to my actual website, I list every single attraction, whether they're under refurbishment or not, so that you don't miss anything during your day. Yeah. We followed a Disneyland Daily Plan <laughs> when we were there. It oh, worked for did. us. we did, yes. Good. We- I have literally, and I, I keep looking for it, and I hope no one hears this and then gives me this comment just because I'm suggesting it, but I've literally never had someone come back and say it didn't work or you screwed up my day or you ruined my Disneyland experience. So <laughs> I've had literally nothing but overwhelming positive responses to anyone who's ever used my strategy. Um, which is a huge compliment to me. And I am so pleased to always hear those, those compliments. Um, and it, I mean, they, they work, they really do work. If you, if you pay attention to all of my tips and, and they're not always easy to follow, I get a lot of pushback on, I don't want to arrive so early or <laughs> I don't want to do this or that. Uh, you know, all of those tips that I include are important. And if you follow every one of them to the T, you will have the same success that I did or you guys did or anyone else who has followed it. Um, but you can't, you know, you can't show up at noon and hope it works out. You really do have to be there an hour prior to park opening and you really do have to follow the steps as they're listed, but it pays off. It is, it feels so great to be done. Let's say at DCA by noon and you've literally accomplished every ride in the park. And now you can just pull fast passes to repeat your favorites or go see shows or just relax and, and know that you've pretty much gotten your work done for the day and you're not going to miss anything. You know, I I just, I feel like that's a great feeling. Oh yeah. It was funny because when we were there, I don't remember, was it Soren something like broke down or was just like out for a little bit. And I just remember Brendan panicking because it was like the (laughs) next thing on the list and we can't, you know, go off the list. Well, you know, we can do a whole episode on where we went wrong, but we went off list and it cost us, it was going to cost us doing Monsters After Dark because it was Halloween oh, no. season, but we grabbed an Incredicoaster, it shut down, so it told into a, it turned into a multi-experience, so it all worked out. Nice. But you're right. Nice. Not going with the list can mess with you. Yeah. Well, and I get, I, you know, people challenge me all the time. Why aren't you going to Radiator Springs Racers first? Well, because every other blogger is going to tell you to go there first. Yeah. And I'm not. So start here, follow exactly what I'm doing, and it will make sense. But I've I've been in your position. I um, Once a year, sometimes twice a year, I throw a party called Pearls in the Park. And I was, gosh. It was October of last year. I had a a Halloween version of that uh, event. And that's a smaller party than what I host in the spring. And I think about 80 people, maybe 100, came to the one in October of last year. And during each of my events, whether it's spring or fall, I take a handful of guests who came to that party through one of the parks and we go through one of my strategies. And I think I had about 25 people during the October event um, last year and we went through DCA and of course, of course the first step is Soren, and we got there and we stood in line for like 15 minutes and everyone's looking at me like, this is terrible. What were you thinking? Why aren't we doing this or that? And there, you know, there are some things that are just completely out of your control that, I mean, that, that is the smartest move to go to Soren first. You're usually on it right as park opening starts, but Sometimes you will stay in there and you won't get on until 15 or 20 minutes after 
park opening and it, you know, there was a, a mechanical error. There was something wrong with the screen or, or something small like that, that we never knew about and, and no, you know, never will, but that pushed us way back. So I know that panic. I know it very, <laughs> very well. And there's just nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah. So I get it totally. So our very last question, it still kind of sticks with, you know, pushing out content since you do such a great job of sharing and creating content just constantly. We were wondering if you follow, you know, a certain schedule or if you only post when you have things to say. Um, That's a good question. And I think everyone has kind of a different direction on this. I don't follow a schedule. Um, I never really have. um, I think I do a lot of blogging just practices quite differently than a lot of people do. Um, I only write either on social media or on my blog or even um, an email out to my, to my email list. I only do it when they need to know something. (laughs) Um, That works for me. I'm not as great with a schedule um, with three kids and lots of park trips and, now a lot of projects partnering with Disney, you know, sometimes I don't get a ton of notice for those. Um, it works for me better if I just give information as needed. Um, I, I also, this is also a big way that I differ from a lot of bloggers. My blog only has about a hundred posts total. I think actually it's about 120, but there's about 20 in my head right now that I want to delete. So, um, (laughs) When I ask friends, you know, a blogger friends, how many they have, most of them say three or 4,000. And I was completely shocked the first time I heard this um, because I can't think of three to 4,000 things to write about. First of all, they are much better at that than I am. Um, and my focus is more rather than writing <clears throat> with a new topic in mind, I am diligent, diligent about editing and updating the posts that I have, the really strong posts that I have, the top 30-ish posts that fall, that, you know, that show up on SEO that resonate most with my readers. So um, as a focus for me, I really take about my top 30 posts and consistently edit and update those so that it, so that those all contain the most, um, updated information because I repost those many times and they are used more and more within my social media platforms as reference points for what I'm trying to teach on those social media platforms. So rather than writing new content, I am a much bigger fan of going back and updating information that is already working with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's different. Yeah. And it almost turns into like an ultimate guide type thing that it's a, you know, evergreen because you are constantly updating on your end so that no matter when you go look at it, it's going to be relevant. Um, So yeah, I I think that's an excellent approach. And one thing I do want to mention before we go on is that we love that you're working on Walt Disney World content now too. (laughs) Yay. Yes. Thank you. I am too. I um, am going my next trip in October um, where we'll be high-fiving each other. Um, is my fourth trip of the year. And so I'm averaging three to four trips a year now to Walt Disney World. And I'm absolutely loving it. I, I love being there. I, you know, I absolutely love Disneyland. It will always be my favorite park, but I feel like at times I know every square inch of that park and I know how it works. And it's just, 
it's one fluid motion there for me. And I absolutely adore the the parks themselves. And I love the cast members and just the whole team of Disneyland will always be my favorite. But when I go to Walt Disney World, it's a whole new experience for me still um, because I don't know everything about this park. So it is, it's eye-opening every time I go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are excited to see everything that you work on there. There are so many more questions that we could cover. <laughs> we love all the stuff that you're doing, but in respect of your time, we will end that segment. We will take a short break and hear a message from our partners, and then we'll be back with our Fast Pass round. As you guys know, we are heading down to Walt Disney World and staying at the Polynesian on our DVC points in October. The downside to that is that we are out of DVC points for the foreseeable future. We still have more trips planned, like Princess Weekend coming up in February of 2020, and we love the DVC lifestyle. So the best option for us is to rent DVC points through David's Vacation Club Rentals. The process thus far has been seamless, and really, we are so excited for this trip. So if you want to price out your vacation and give a test of DVC and what it can offer you and your family, head to detourtoneverland.com forward slash DVC. Again, that's detourtoneverland.com forward slash DVC or hit the link in our show notes. Perfect. So we are back. So Casey, we're going to throw out these Disney topics. You can just kind of share the first thing that comes to your mind so our listeners can get to know your Disney fandom a little bit better. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) So the first one is an easy one. It's just name the Disney parks that you visited. Oh gosh, Um, both at Disneyland and then all four at Disney, uh, well, Disney World. So I think you might have already answered this in our last segment, but which is your favorite and why? Disneyland, always. Uh, I just love the charm, the history, um, just the the feeling of going to Disneyland feels different than any other park to me. Mm-hmm. So if you could go absolutely anywhere, what would be your Disney bucket list trip? Um, gosh, um, out of all of the parks... I don't know if I really could choose one of the international parks. Um, Shanghai is of interest just because it's so new and exciting. Um, But Paris has always been of interest to me. Uh, One of my good friends, Mindy, is going to Paris in September, and I'm very envious of her. She's from A Fairy Tale Life. You guys might see me with with her in the parks Mm -hmm. quite a bit, but she's headed there. So, yeah, I would think those two parks for sure. Good deal. So next would be your favorite Disney resort, and it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you've stayed at. Um, I love the Disneyland resorts, but my newest favorite at Walt Disney World is Boardwalk by far. That is, I think that's at the top of my resort bucket list. We still haven't got a chance to stay there. No, it's It's so lovely. Yeah. I love the area. Um, I much prefer Boardwalk, just the whole area over Disney Springs, for example. It just seems more on property and quaint and everything is just right there. And just the boardwalk in itself is just beautiful. I love the design. I love everything about it. Mm -hmm. Our issue is, is that most of our trips revolve around festivals (laughs) and races. Yes. And so those are the two reasons why everybody stays at boardwalk. So we're going to have to go off schedule. That is true. You're right. So this next one kind of involves some strategy, but if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Um, oddly enough, on the 50th anniversary, I'd have to say Haunted Mansion. Ooh. So normal Haunted Mansion or Haunted Mansion Holiday? I love the classic version, but I 
am a big fan as well of um, Haunted Mansion Holiday, but the classic is is absolutely my favorite. And I actually really like the Walt Disney World version too, because they have two rooms that we don't, and they also have the ode to uh, Sarah Winchester, and I'm a big fan of Sarah Winchester. So I really enjoy going through that room at the Haunted Mansion and Walt Disney World because you don't have that at the one at Disneyland. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to hear those different perspectives because we, when we wrote the Disneyland version, we were like, Hatbox Ghost. Yes, we (laughs) finally get to see him. Yes, that was a special addition to ours. Absolutely. Um, And that was exciting. But I'm, I'm a big fan of um, the the Sarah Winchester part. And I've also heard there's some MC Escher in there as well. But um, I don't know. I just, there's something really unique about that attraction. Mm Mm-hmm. So next one would be which which ride or attraction do you think is due for an exit or a refurbishment from the parks? Oh, goodness. At Disneyland? Any of them. Gosh, how many people can I upset with this answer? (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I feel like uh, Monsters is going. Uh, I feel like it's time. I feel like that whole area needs to be revamped. And I think it it will be. I think it's on the way with the second... um, the second edition of the land based on Marvel. Mm. Okay. So I was going to ask for a clarification on Monsters <laughs> Inc. Laugh Floor or the Monsters Inc. Ride, but I guess oh, that's, Lord. That, that's the Monsters totally. Inc. Ride. Yes. But you know what? You could just shut down the Laugh Floor altogether <laughs> and I would be totally fine with that. I don't know if you ever read that, the note that I have written about that, but I had a total anxiety attack in the Laugh Floor and I will never ever go in that attraction again. Oh, ever. oh no. <laughs> yeah. I, most people don't understand this about me because I do silly stuff all the time and I really put myself out there, um, and do, you know, some crazy things, but I have an absolute fear of being called on to do something. And so I didn't know what to expect when I went in the last floor years ago And I told my girlfriend who was sitting next to me when I realized what was happening, I said, if I get called on, I'm going to crawl out of here. And I'm not joking. And she was looking at me like I was crazy because she too was like, whatever, this is your thing. You do stupid stuff all the time. But when I do stupid stuff, it's always with me in control of it. And in that sort of environment, when someone's telling me to do something, I absolutely panic. And I really, I didn't get called on, but I would have left on the floor. I would have crawled out completely yeah so i understand it's not my thing we're laughing because Catherine's dad got called on one time and made a complete fool of himself oh yeah it was did he enjoy it though see i won't enjoy that like i I like making a fool out of myself but again only when i'm in control of it but that's that doesn't seem fun to me did did he like it i don't know if he enjoyed it (laughs) i don't i think to him it's just like something that happened yeah it was kind of it was weird it was like it was almost so awkward Word or like I don't know if awkward's the best word, like so rigid that it was funny. I don't know. Uh, it was I'm interesting. Anxiety for him <laughs> right now. So, but most people enjoy that stuff, and it's hilarious. And everyone else looks like a great sport doing it, and that is my worst nightmare. <laughs> so we can wipe out both of them, as far as I'm concerned. So- both monsterings, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. Which land or area brings you the most inspiration? Um, gosh, the land of, let's see. Um, I love New Orleans Square in Disneyland. The detail and 
um, just the design of it, uh, this, you know, the street that goes through it, everything about it is so lovely to me. At the same time, I love Liberty Square at Walt Disney World because it's new to me and it's, um, it's inspiring to me because I'm learning so many details as I walk through it. Um, I would say those two initially, and then, my goodness, Galaxy's Edge. I don't even know where to start with that. It's so overwhelming and amazing to see. I'm finding all sorts of inspiration there now. Love all three of those. So next one, our favorite section of the questions about food. What is your favorite snack or a go-to snack in the parks? Um, Oddly enough, this is a surprise to a lot of people. I don't eat a ton when I'm at the parks. I'm usually overwhelmed with working or running here and there or finding information. Sometimes I just forget to eat and get busy. Um, So snack more than I dine. But um, if I had to choose one, I would say the popcorn, just classic Disneyland popcorn and a real Coke, not diet. That's one of my favorite things to enjoy in the parks. Um, Another fun fact about me is I've never finished a churro. (laughs) I love them, but I just want a bite or two. You know, I'm like a seagull. I just want to show up, have a bite and take off. That's, that's plenty for me. I don't need a whole churro. Um, and I don't know if I've ever bought a churro for myself, just randomly. My sister loved them, so I always had a ton with her, and friends love them. My kids love them. But, yeah, I, I, I have never finished a whole churro at Disneyland. So That's a fun fact. I'm going to lose readers left and right after that. <laughs> so this one might be hard to answer then, but what is your favorite table service and your favorite quick service restaurant? Um, hmm. Table service. I've really enjoyed Lamplight Lounge lately. I love Blue Bayou just for the classic um, nostalgic feel of it. Food-wise, I love Carthay um, for a nice, nice uh, dining. Um, let's see. Counter service. Um, I love Flo's at DCA. Um, I haven't eaten there in a while, but I do love Smoke Jumpers Grill at DCA as well. And I don't think you can go wrong with the French market in New Orleans Square at Disneyland. I usually love all of those those dishes. I went to LSU, so I'm a Louisiana girl. Um, so I love all of that as well. Ooh, fun. Mm-hmm. I, I love Disneyland counter service. I feel like it is on such a different level. But that's a whole different topic that we could <laughs> talk about. Compared to Walt Disney World? Do you yeah. Think? I okay. think we so. just we were obsessed with Disneyland, everything, but the food especially. We ate a, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we should go to the parks together because then I'd actually eat more if I was with you guys. <laughs> yes. I get lost. I get distracted. I, I don't have time. I just keep moving. So next, we'll go through just some of your favorite Disney things. So be your favorite Disney movie. Gosh, um, Wally probably, which I know is an unpopular choice. Um, I loved Wally just overall. I'm not, this is another one of my secrets. I'm not obsessed with Disney movies mm-hmm. and that surprises a lot of people. Um, but there's some quirky classics over the years that I've really connected with and Wally's one of them. Interesting. Yeah. So the next one is what is your favorite Disney quote? Oh my gosh. Um, it's one that I just posted and I'm not going to do it justice. I posted it from Walt Disney World. It was the, um, it's a Walt Disney quote, and it was up around um, the 
construction for the Skyliner. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally drawing a blank. And it's something about work. <sighs> I'll have to look it up and I'll send it to you later. And maybe you can insert it into the podcast because I'm totally drawing a blank. Here's the quote for you guys. Most of my life, I have done what I wanted to do. I have had fun on the job. And that is from Walt Disney. Oh, easy. Being in Disneyland with my sister. She passed away almost two years ago, and she was my favorite Disneyland buddy. She came out three times a year from Texas and visited me and my family. And um, we often went with my children for many years, and then we eventually left the kids at home and she and I would go by ourselves and we almost never rode attractions because we had both been on everything many, many times, but we always, always rode the haunted mansion. So we would just walk and dine and shop and just be there, just sit on the benches and watch people. And we just loved everything about it. And there, there are times I used to think that maybe she was the bigger Disneyland fan between (laughs) us, but, um, it's hard to tell, but yeah, being there with my sister for sure. That is wonderful. Do you share that, Catherine? Yes, you're going to make me tear up thinking about being at Disney World with my sister. <laughs> it's it's so special. There was nothing like it for me. I would give anything to do that again. Well, awesome. So, Casey, our very last question for you is if you have one piece of parting guidance that you can give to someone who's looking to jump into this community, either as a content creator or maybe they want to open up their own shop, whatever it might be, what would be your advice to that person? Um, That's actually pretty easy. I would say just be authentic. Be yourself. Um, work hard, obviously, that you'll never work harder at anything in your life. But you'll also not ever have as much fun if you do it right. Um, But I think when you enter this, especially in blogging, if you try to be something you're not, it just doesn't work. It doesn't resonate with people. So no matter what your flaws are, no matter what your quirks are, for example, I'm pretty awkward in most situations, but I've learned to embrace it. And I think some people connect with that. And, you know, they embrace me because they get the awkwardness um, that kind of that, that has helped me build trust in people um, because I come across, I hope, as a real person. And I think that will take you far if you can really just embrace who you are and figure out the qualities in yourself that will help connect with people that that will take you far. That is excellent advice. Yeah, I agree. So the very last thing we'll ask you is where can all of our listeners connect with you online? Um, that's pretty easy because I'm only in a few places. I'm mm-hmm. at DisneylandDaily.com um, on Instagram at DisneylandDailyKasey, C-A-S-E-Y, and then also on Facebook at DisneylandDailyKasey. And actually, I'm on Pinterest as well, but I don't do a lot with it. Um, for Pinterest, I'm uh, Pinterest.com slash DisneylandDaily. Perfect. So, of course, we'll put all of those, the links in our show notes. You guys go connect with Casey. You can see me as a top fan on Facebook. um, (laughs) Two-time. Two-time. Yeah, two-time top (laughs) fan. I don't know if I got it this month. I need to check, actually. Well, I hope you do. Slipping. We're going to have to go in there and get some engagement. But, Casey, thank you so much for joining us. We have had such a blast chatting with you, and I know our listeners have enjoyed it as well. So, thank you again. You're so welcome. Thanks, guys. Do you like Star Wars? How about Marvel? How about Disney? If you answered yes to any of these, we'd love to have you listen to our new podcast, Kingdom Outcast. 
We're just three guys chatting about news, topics, and events in the Disney universe. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.